Well, hello, friends. Welcome again to this online broadcast of worship here at Bonsack Baptist. We're so delighted that you could join us. I know your online world is saturated right now because everything is happening, happening virtually, but we're thrilled that you could make time and space in your world to worship with us online today. So welcome. I don't know where you are as you're watching this. Maybe you're right here near us in the Roanoke Valley, or maybe you're on the other side of the country. Wherever you are, we are delighted you're here, and we'd love to hear from you. If you'll scroll down to the bottom of your screen, you'll see a button that says connect. If you'll click on that, we'd love to get some feedback from you and just let us know where you're watching from, where you're worshiping with us. And you can also use that to open up a conversation. If you've got things you want uh, us to come alongside you with in prayer or conversation, questions you'd like to pass along, or if you need spiritual help in any way, uh, we'd love for that to, to happen. So take advantage of that. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, how worship is going to proceed today. Uh, we're pleased to be able to do a few things virtually today and take advantage of some uh, creative musical resources that we have access to here. So we're going to share some pre-recorded selections with you at various times in today's service. Uh, a little bit later in the service, you'll be hearing from the McAllister family, a, a wonderful musical ensemble here in our church. Uh, we'll also be sharing together uh, some music from our praise band. Uh, they came together several weeks ago right here on this very stage and pre-recorded uh, several songs that we could use. And in both of those cases, uh, there will be words on the screen, and we will encourage you to sing along and be an active participant in worship with us. Also, later in the service, at the conclusion, we'll be celebrating together a virtual observance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Pastor Rob will be bringing our message today, and as he comes out of that, he'll be leading us in that observation. And so I want to encourage you to gather together right now whatever uh, elements you need in order to make that celebration happen where you are, either by yourself or with your family. Uh, you can get some juice and some bread or crackers, and if you don't have that, let me encourage you to hit the pause button on this recording right now and uh, go gather that together, bring it back, and then once you've got the elements with you, uh, you can proceed with us in worship. And let me say up front, we invite anybody and everybody who is a believer on the Lord Jesus uh, to share in that meal with us. It doesn't matter whether you're a member of this church or not. Uh, we're pleased to be able to share in this uh, expression of Christian unity. So we look forward to that together. But here at the beginning of the service, we want to share something with you that's really unique. Uh, we have a group of musicians that came together while separate from each other to form a virtual choir. And so here in just a moment, uh, we're going to share that selection with you. It's a choral piece, and it's based on Revelation chapter 5, and we want to use it as a call to worship to sort of center our hearts and minds on the praise that God brings. So let me read to you from Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. It says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with full voice, saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing, to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. 
And the elders fell down and worshiped. Friends, those words describe why we're gathered here today to worship God and to honor him. So let's continue in that spirit together now. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Oh, 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 oh,
The scriptures tell us that we should bring all of our wants and needs before God in confidence that he hears us and that he stands ready to respond to us from out of his gracious will in his all-surpassing power. And that's why one of the central acts of worship is coming before God in prayer. And so to that end, church, wherever you may be right now, let me invite you to just join me as we open up our hearts and minds to God's presence and go before his throne in prayer. Let's pray together. Gracious God, loving God, Heavenly Father, we come to you today uh, declaring that at times we are frustrated when we don't know the answers to why things happen to us the way they do. When loved ones get sick and when they suffer, we long to know why. When our best-made plans run against frustrations and obstacles that we cannot control, everything within us wants to know why. When life doesn't make sense, when we are afraid, when answers aren't readily available, we want to know why. But, Father, you tell us in your word that you give us something better than an answer to the why question. Because even if we knew why, we would still be forced to live with the hurt, the disappointment, the loss. And that's why you tell us in your word that you don't just give us a why, you give us a who. You promise us that you are present to us, that you are with us, and that you are for us. And you've made that known most fully in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's because of that that we can come to you today in the midst of unanswered questions, in the midst of hurts and sorrows and disappointments and frustrations and fears and doubts, and celebrate your love and declare your promise for us. And so, oh God, we come to you in these moments asking you to give us the faith to trust the who, even when we don't have the why. Show us again what it means to believe that Jesus is enough, that the promise of his resurrected presence in our lives is enough to guide us through the dark days and the uncertain moments and the unanswered questions. Father, for any who are worshiping with us today who find themselves in places of hurt or fear or want or need, may your presence be felt. May your power be real. May these moments that we share together in worship be a reminder and a very embodiment of your presence among us. Father, we thank you for all the ways you've revealed yourself to us, even in this crisis in the hands and faces of those who have served us, in the troubled decisions of those who've been tasked with leading us, with all the neighbors and friends who have blessed us, even with those small acts of kindness and those reminders that we are not alone. Father God, may we in those faces see your eyes looking back at us. And may the encouragement that we find in that recognition empower us to continue walking the path that is ahead of us. 
Father, we don't know exactly what's ahead of us. We don't know how long this, this struggle will continue. But we do know that you are real. And that the same Jesus who overcame the grave will overcome this moment and anything else that happens in our midst. And so we come to you to claim that promise and to ask for your comfort. Lord God, we praise you. We thank you. We honor you. We bless you. And may now, as we proceed to hear your word proclaimed, may we be transformed by your truth and lifted up by your power. And we make this prayer in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's continue in the spirit of worship. Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. McAllisters for leading us in that song this morning and we look forward to hearing more from you in worship next week. For many years Ed Griffin has been an asset to the music ministry here at Bonsack. He can often be seen playing his trombone in the sanctuary for worship and for special events and earlier this week I had the opportunity to sit down with Ed and talk about what he and his wife Linda are learning through this COVID situation, and about the unique ways that they are ministering to their uh, community around them. So enjoy this interview that we taped a few days ago. Well, Ed, thanks for talking with us today. Uh, first, tell me about how you and Linda are doing with everybody staying at home and what you're learning during this time. Well, Grant, 2020 has been a pretty amazing year for the country and for us too. It, it started when I played lead trombone in a big band for a New Year's Eve concert. Everyone was so happy 
and optimistic and joyous. And about, it seemed like just a heartbeat later, I was lying in a hospital room. I had just coded and the room was filling up with people that were coming to try to help me as I had, had developed a pulmonary embolism. What a way to start the year. Then about two weeks later, my father passed away. I had thought he would live forever. And uh, it was a big surprise. Then of course the coronavirus hit. And for us it's personal because our daughter Kelly and two grandchildren are just outside New York City and they all three have coronavirus. Luckily, the children have recovered. None of them had to go to the hospital, but it's more than three weeks and Kelly is still sick, struggling to take care of the kids. And we're in the position of, we have to be on the sideline, cheerleading and praying, but we think she's going to be all right. But the coronavirus has been very real for us. But throughout it all, I think what I'm learning or relearning is the joy and support of Christian fellowship. Jesus gave us many gifts, but I'm, for me, I'm not sure that the gift of Christian fellowship isn't right up there. We've been talking uh, a lot about what it means to be the church during this time in which the church can't gather. So you've been reaching out to your neighborhood in some unique ways. So tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing in your neighborhood. A couple of months ago, my neighbor Ken Briggs came to me and said, we need a little cheering up. How about, how about playing some trombone for us? Well, this coming Saturday will be the seventh mini concert I've played. I stand on my front porch. We all social distance, but I point toward an intersection and the people are, are sprinkled around. I always start with Amazing Grace. That'll be the, that's the theme song, if it's fair to say that for, for what I do. It's been very surprising to me how well received this little mini concert is. There are some folks that, that walk up and socially distance, but come, but there are a lot of others apparently that just sit on their porches. Because as I walk around the neighborhood, taking my daily walk, people will come up to me and people I didn't even realize could hear. I guess I'm, I've uh, demonstrated that the trombone carries remarkably well in this mountainous uh, Roanoke area that we're in. Why do you think about music especially has the power to bring people together? I think there's a connection between music and ourselves that it, it bypasses some of, the, some of the intellectual and it goes right to our emotions and to our heart. I think it's a way in which we're touched and moved and comforted. There's something about Amazing Grace. It's, it's hard to play. Well, it's hard for me to smile while I play, but it's hard for me to hear Amazing Grace without smiling. So since you've been reaching out to your neighborhood in a really unique kind of way by offering these mini concerts, uh, what have you learned by doing that, and why do you think reaching out to your community is something that's important? It's almost embarrassing, but I've lived in my neighborhood for more than 30 years, and I'm better connected to my neighbors now 
than I've ever been before. I actually know most of their names. <laughs> and it, it's a connection that I think we all feel. And, but it's gonna take me back to, I'm not learning this for the first time, but I'm reaffirming in times of trouble what the Christian community means, what being a part of the Christian community means. Well, Ed, you've been through so much since 2020 began, as you said. Glad you're staying healthy and doing well, and we'll continue to pray for you and Linda and your family near New York. Um, you said amazing grace always puts a smile on your face, and we appreciate you sharing a video clip from last Saturday's mini concert. You're standing out in the rain playing amazing grace, so we'll, we'll look at that together. That concert was in the rain. I thought we'd cancel, but my neighbor, Ken Briggs, again said, people are sitting on the porch, not going to damage your horn. Who cares if you get wet? The concert goes on. Well, let's take a look at it. Thank you, Ed. Good morning, church. We are so glad that you could join us online this morning. We are so thankful for stories like Ed's. And we have heard so many of those throughout our church body. And we want to encourage you that if you are using your gifts during this COVID-19 crisis to serve our church or your community in any way, go ahead and post those in the Facebook com comments below or go ahead and tell, the, tell us about that. We want to be an encouragement to you. We want to know what's going on in your life. We are so thankful for the ways that you you have served our community. And my name's Rob Covington. If you haven't met me, I'm the student pastor here at Bonsack Baptist Church, and I'm encouraged to bring a message from God's Word this morning as we continue focusing on the appearances of Jesus in the Gospels. And our story this morning starts in Rowan County, North Carolina. On August 19th, 2009, it was a hot day in Rowan County, North Carolina. The kind of hot that makes your shirt stick to your skin. The kind of hot that makes the asphalt shimmer as you drive down the highway. And it was so hot that the inmates in the Piedmont Correctional Center were getting a little antsy. They had nowhere to go. They were stuck outside in the yard and they began to look out on the expanse around the facility and wonder, what would freedom be like? 
One inmate named Jalen Ross was just eight days away from his scheduled release, his scheduled release from prison when he would be able to go home. But he looked out and sat in the hot North Carolina sun and said, I'm not going to wait those eight days anymore. Today is my day. So Jalen walked over to the chain link fence of this minimum security facility and he hopped over it and started walking down the long asphalt driveway. He made it to the local highway and kept walking. The sweat started to drip down as he kept walking down the side of the road in his bright orange jumpsuit. What happened next, the police still haven't been able to figure out how Jalen pulled it off, but he walked an entire mile to the, low, or to the nearest town, and in the center of town, he hopped into a waiting Uber. Now, nobody knows how he called that Uber ride or how the Uber driver decided, yeah, I'm going to drive you in your prison jumpsuit, but that's what happened. And the Uber driver drove him 83 miles to his parents' home, where he was promptly rearrested later that day. He had made it a whole 12 hours on the run. And Sergeant Canopy of the Rowan County Police Department described the scene this way. He said, usually when a prisoner like Jalen escapes with so little time left on their sentence, they want to go home. Something is happening in the life at home that they either desperately want to be a part of or don't want to miss. So they make a run for it, even when it's the exact wrong decision to make. Mr. Ross wanted to go home. He was stuck in jail. He was stuck in this place that he didn't recognize, stuck in this place that was difficult and challenging for him. And he decided that today was the day I am going to run home. I am going to run back to the place that I recognize. And maybe, just maybe, if I can make it home, everything is going to be okay. And our story from scripture this morning is similar to the story of Mr. Ross. We find a group of disciples who are running home. They have just gone through a traumatic set of events in their life and they want nothing more than the comfort and security of the way things were. In a way, it was their hot day and they were looking to make it home even just a few days early. So would you join me this morning as we read from the Gospel of John chapter 21 verses 1 through 14, which gives us the whole story of this third appearance with Jesus. Would you join me as we read it? Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, and they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There was fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So 
So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in our story this morning, we find the disciples back at home. They've gone back to the Sea of Galilee, the very same place that Jesus called them just three years before. They have gone back looking for comfort, and Jesus has appeared to them, (coughs) excuse me, in their life, in their midst. And the message that we can pull out of this this morning for us is that Jesus will meet you where you are. Jesus will meet you, and that you want to be where Jesus is. Jesus will meet you, and you want to be where Jesus is. Is. And there's a couple of truths that we are going to pull out of that. We're going to pull three truths out of that promise this morning that you want to be where Jesus is. And the first one we will draw out of the text is that Jesus is our new and better normal. And understand this, we have to look back at the life of the disciples over these past three years. They had started following Jesus, their teacher, three years prior, and they had followed him all around the Judean countryside. They had watched as he had healed the sick, as he had given sight to the blind, as he had challenged the Pharisees of their day. He had watched as Jesus had done miraculous things. They were with him. They were something because they were with him. And they started to think, man, this Jesus can do all of these things. Maybe he can do even more than we can imagine. Maybe he can overthrow Rome, our great oppressor. Maybe he will be king. Maybe he will make us strong and powerful with him. They become so confident about what Jesus is going to do for them and their life that they start getting into arguments about the seating chart in heaven. They are ready for Jesus to come in power. They are ready for what that power means for them in their life. They are ready for Jesus to do something amazing for them. And then he dies. Good Friday crushes the dreams of the disciples. Suddenly this Jesus that they followed is not going to topple Rome. He's dead. Suddenly this Jesus is not going to give them a seat in heaven. He's dead. Suddenly this Jesus is not going to heal them or give sight to any more people who are blind. He's dead. And you can imagine the questions they had those days. You can imagine where they were wondering, had we been snookered? Were all of those miracles bamboozling us? Had we wasted three years of our life following this man for nothing? What were we doing? What have we done? And then one morning, Mary Magdalene showed up with incredible news. Jesus was alive. The tomb was empty. The disciples didn't believe her right away. They sprint to the tomb and find out that she's telling the truth. He's alive. He's not there but they don't know what to do next with this knowledge. They don't know how to react to the reality that Jesus is alive and at work in their world. 
So Jesus begins to appear to them. In the Gospel of John, he appears to them at a dinner table, and they get to see that he truly is alive. Then he appears to them a second time for Thomas, and they get to touch his wounds, and they get to see that it's really true. He really is alive. He really has conquered death. And at that point, after two encounters with the risen Jesus, after two encounters with the reality that this person they had followed for years really was alive, really had conquered death, you would expect that they would get to work. You would expect that they would start planting churches. You would expect that thousands would come to faith. Jesus had conquered death. Their Messiah was alive. Everything they had seen was still true. And now the final enemy was beaten. Beaten. You would have expected them to shout that from the rooftops. And they would get there. But the first thing they decided to do was go home. And this is an understandable human reaction. When chaos reigns in our life, when so much has happened that we don't know how to process, we long for a return to the normalcy that we once knew. We long for things to be back to normal, whatever normal looks like for us. Normal for the disciples was to go home, from Gal- go home to Galilee, north of Jerusalem, and normal for them was to go back to their job, fishing. And at the beginning of this text, we see they have done both of those things. They've gone back to the life they knew before they had ever met this Jesus guy. They go back to the easy life they had known as fishermen on the side of the Sea of Galilee. And there was only one problem with that plan. It wasn't working anymore. They were coming back to shore in a boat that was empty. And it was at that moment when normal life wasn't going to work anymore, when they were coming ashore with an empty boat, that Jesus appeared. And I know this morning we're all sitting in this space of this pandemic of COVID-19. And for so many of us, we are longing for nothing more than than to return to our normal life. We are desperate to get our travel soccer teams back. We are desperate to walk in our graduations. We are desperate to get our jobs back with full pay. We're desperate to hug our family members. We're desperate to break out of our nursing homes. We want our normal life back and we want it now. And that is a totally normal human reaction. But this text this morning is challenging us to go one step deeper. This this text this morning is asking us to go one question deeper. And that question is, how was normal working for you? How was normal working for your family? Were you encountering Jesus and his life transforming message back in the days of normal? Were you living a life of meaning and purpose back in the days of normal? Were you seeing fruit rise up in your life back in the days of normal? Or were you going through the motions? Were you doing all the things we responsible people were supposed to do? Were you going out fishing and coming back with an empty boat? This moment in this story, in this moment in our cultural experience are one and the same. 
we like the disciples are longing to get back to normal and Jesus is standing on the shores of our life and saying, maybe normal isn't the way to go anymore. Maybe you want to be where I am. And of course, all of this is scary and all of us, all of that asks us to do something more. But that brings us to point number two of our story. That Jesus, who is the new and better normal, is ready to welcome you and me home. It's an interesting part of this story that as the disciples draw near to the edge, they see this man that they don't recognize on the edge of the lake. And they're coming back with an empty boat. And you can imagine, some of us don't have to imagine very hard, that it's frustrating to spend an entire night trying to catch fish and to come back with nothing. And then they see this person they don't recognize on the edge of the shore who has the audacity to shout to them, friends! Do you have any fish? And the Bible says that they just reply with no, but we can imagine that there was some grumbling amongst the guys on the boat. We don't have any fish. He can see from 100 yards out that this boat doesn't have anything, that we have nothing left to catch, that we haven't caught anything. But then in the midst of that downward moment, John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, recognizes that it is, is the Lord. And he turns to Peter, one of the disciples, and says, it's the Lord. And Peter, this disciple who the last time he saw the Lord on Lake Galilee was reluctant to get out of the boat and walk to him, decides, if that's Jesus, I'm going to go for it. If that's Jesus, I'm going to jump out of this boat and start swimming. If that's Jesus, I'm out of here. And he jumps out of the boat. He jumps out of a boat that has the largest catch that he's ever seen. He jumps out of the boat that was his way of making money. He jumps out of the thing that represents everything that was old about his life and decides that if I'm going to be with Jesus, I'm going to leave that behind and start swimming. And the challenge for us this morning is, are we ready to start swimming? Are we ready to jump out of that boat and head towards Jesus? Are we ready to leave behind the normal life that we once held, knowing that when we get to shore, we are going to find Jesus? And the people in my life that did that the best was Nathan and Christine Smith. When I was in college, I led a college Bible study group for other college students with Kelsey Yandura. And most of these groups met in dingy dorm basements or off-white college apartments. We all, if you've been to college, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But our group was special. We were part of a pilot program that got to meet in a real person's house, right? A real grown-up's house. And every Tuesday night for two years, Nathan and Christine Smith would put their two children to bed and welcome 10 college students into their house to talk about the Bible and to talk about God. This was no small act of hospitality on their part. After a year, we had grown to be really close friends with these two, and they asked us at the end of one of our Bible studies, hey, could we spend a minute in prayer for our family? And we said, absolutely, we would love to. What can we pray with you about? 
And they said, we've been feeling the call to something different in our life. We've been feeling the call to something new. And we think that it might be a return to Christine's home nation of India. And it might be a call to a place where Nathan could use his medical skills to serve the people of India well. And we said, absolutely, we can pray for that. And the next week they went off to this conference that would send people to India. And they came back and they said, this is what we think God is calling us to do. And we are prepared to go. And so we watched as our friends sold their cars and sold their couches. We sat on the floor one week because they had sold all of their stuff. We watched as Nathan quit his lucrative medical practice and as they raised money and as they loaded off for India. Ten years later, I can tell you, they found Jesus on the shore that Nathan runs a hospital in southern India, that they have a seminary that's teaching students day in and day out how they can reach the people of southern India. If Nathan and Christine Smith were here, they would tell you to jump out of the boat. It's worth it. If Peter were here, he would tell you, jump out of the boat. It is worth it. And of course, this morning, I don't want to make it seem so easy. It was a challenge for the Smiths. And I know so many of us are facing so many unique challenges. You might be at home right now. Rob, you want me to jump out of a boat? I'm trying to teach my 10th grader point slope form while I finish these reports for my boss. Or I'm trying to teach my younger kid math while I also teach my middle schooler how to read the crucible. And you want me to jump out of a boat right now? There's so much on my plate. What do you want me to do next? And I would say, I get it. There's so much going on. There's so many distractions in our world. There's so many things that makes it hard to jump out of the boat. But I'll tell you this, Jesus is waiting on the shore and you wanna be where Jesus is. Jesus is waiting on the shore for you and you want to be where Jesus is. The swim may not be easy, there are all sorts of obstacles that may get in your way. But I tell you, church, you wanna be where Jesus is. And the third reason you wanna be where Jesus is is because Jesus has everything that you need. Jesus already has everything that you need. When Peter washed ashore soaking wet from his swim in the Sea of Galilee, he looks up and he finds Jesus standing there, but he also looks around and sees a few other peculiar things. He sees a fire that's already been started with fish already on it, already cooking. He looks around and he sees bread and there's no oven, so Jesus had to be the one that brought it. And he looks around and he sees the disciples coming in with a massive catch of fish, a catch of fish that they caught, not because they went back to their old ways, but because they listened to Jesus a catch of fish that they only caught because Jesus said, why don't you throw the net over the other side? When the other disciples got off the boat, they looked around and realized that Jesus had provided everything that they need. They had a fire ready, breakfast was about to be served. And the whole final part of this story is Jesus doing what he's done so many times with his disciples before. He's giving them a meal. He's serving them breakfast. He's providing them everything that they 
need. After they had spent a whole night looking for the things that would provide them this life, they wash up on shore and discover that Jesus already had it and that breakfast was about to be served. And when I think about that act of tender love and care from Jesus, that act of giving his disciples everything that he needs, that act of serving breakfast, I think about my grandmother. My grandparents were missionaries for years and when they retired, they moved to Alabama and they would come up a couple times a year to Chicago where my family lived. And my grandmother had a PhD in library science, but also played catcher for her high school baseball team. She was both the smartest and toughest person in any room she walked into. But what I remember her for was breakfast. Every day when she was in Chicago, she would wake up before the dawn and go rummaging through our pantry because at the back of our pantry, she'd hidden a cast iron skillet that only she was allowed to use. And every morning she would make us the same thing as she completed the New York Times crossword puzzle. She'd crack some eggs into that cast iron skillet. She'd make some grits. She'd toast some toast with jam. And then we'd all get a cup of Lipton tea before we went to school. Every day she was there, she had that. You could count on it like clockwork. You could smell it before you woke up. If Grandma Jerry was in town, breakfast was going to be served. If Grandma Jerry was in town, none of her people were going to go hungry. If Grandmother Jerry was in town, you better be ready to eat. And this morning, I ask you if I can know that about my grandmother, if I can know at 9 p.m. when I went to sleep as a little kid that when I woke up at 7 a.m., my grandmother was going to have breakfast ready. How much more can we know that about our God that loves us? How much more can we know that Jesus cares for us, that if he had breakfast for his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, he will have breakfast for us. He will provide for our every need. And we know this is a difficult season of life. And we know that for some of you, that may be a hard truth to believe. But I promise you that breakfast is ready. And I promise you that Jesus is ready to welcome you home. And I promise you that Jesus is a new and better normal for your life. And I promise you that you wanna be where Jesus is. As we come to the end of worship this morning, we want to celebrate that meal that Jesus provided to his disciples. We want to celebrate the reality that breakfast was served. We want to celebrate the reality that Jesus has what we need. And the way we do that in our tradition is with the Lord's Supper. And I wanna take a minute this morning because we're broadcasting online to explain what the Lord's Supper is because it's a unique ritual if you have no background and many Christian traditions celebrate it differently. So I wanna tell you what we're about to do before we do it. The Lord's Supper is a tradition that we have that comes in three parts. First, you have to examine your own soul. 
They invite us. We, the scripture tells us that we are to look inward and to say, what good have we left undone? Who, who do we need to forgive? Who, need, who do we need to ask forgiveness from? It might be the person sitting next to you on the couch. It might be someone from your workplace. It might be anyone in your life. But we are invited to look inward and reflect on the sacrifice that God made for us. And if some name comes to your mind here in a moment, I invite you to pause me and call that person. I invite you to pause me and pray for that person. This meal can wait, but go be right with them before you continue this meal. The second portion of the Lord's Supper is the bread, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if we were gathered together, we would pass out a little piece of bread to every member of our congregation. We believe that that bread is symbolic of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us on Good Friday, that was crushed for our sins and our iniquities. And that when we eat it, we remember that reality, that Christ died for you and for me. And the final piece of this Lord's Supper meal is the cup. Christ calls the cup the new covenant in his blood. That new covenant that allows us to be called the children of God. This new covenant that allows us to draw near to Christ through his blood that was shed on Good Friday. Normally we would pass out a cup of juice to you here in our congregation, but this morning you will use what you have in front of you. So just a few minutes ago, Pastor Chris asked you to gather the contents of this meal, and I hope you have that in front of you, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray to give you all a moment to reflect, to think about the names and the places you might need to repent before you take this meal. But it's also an opportunity to grab some of those items if you need them. So would you join me in prayer this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Lord Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Savior, our God who died and was resurrected so that we can be close to you. God, help us to examine our hearts this morning. Examine our hearts before we take this Lord's Supper, before we celebrate this meal together. God, bring to mind the names of people we might need to forgive or bring to mind the names of people we might need to ask for forgiveness. Bring to mind the things we may need to repent of. Lord, we want to follow you and we want to remember your sacrifice this morning. Be with us as we take this meal together. Amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he met with his disciples for a meal, much like the meal he met with them for on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And that night Jesus looked at his disciples, his disciples who did not know what was coming, and he took the bread and he said to them, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he broke it and he gave each of them a piece. And he said, take and eat in remembrance of me. I invite you now to eat whatever you have at home, remembering Christ's sacrifice for you.
When the disciples had finished the bread, Jesus then took the cup and he looked at them and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. I invite you now to drink whatever you have, remembering the sacrifice that Christ made so that you could be called a child of God. Would you drink with me? We have a tradition at our church that whenever we finish this meal together, this meal that Jesus has provided to his disciples, that he's provided to us just as he provided to his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, that we end by saying the Lord's Prayer together. If you don't know the Lord's Prayer, the words will be on your screen, and I invite you to pray it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for sharing that meal with me this morning. Thank you for celebrating the Lord's Supper with us. I hope that it was meaningful to you. I hope that you remembered Christ's sacrifice on your behalf. We are gonna end our time together this morning by responding to this meal the only way that we know how, by responding to this meal with praise for our God before we go. Would you join us in singing, please? Just to you, the Lord turn his
Friends, we hope that you have heard God calling your name today. The Lord Jesus calling you to jump out of the boat that you're in and swim towards him and start that new life that he's ready to give you. If you're hearing that message for the first time today, you've never responded to the call of God in Jesus Christ upon your life, then now's the time to say yes. If that's where you are, We'd love to come alongside you and and be a partner with you in that conversation, in that journey. Uh, Reach out to us. Let us know what's going on in your life, and we would love to partner with you. If you've got things you want us to come alongside and lift up with you in prayer, as you struggle to understand the new normal that Jesus is calling you to, we'd love to hear from you. But my prayer is that that most of all, you will know that, that whatever the unknown future holds for us, Jesus is there, and he's provided everything we need. Thank you so much to Pastor Rob for bringing that message to us. I pray you've been encouraged and inspired by it. As we close, I want to invite you to join us for worship next week. We're going to do something a little bit different. If you were with us at Easter, you may remember that we did a drive-in worship service on that day, and we are excited that we'll be doing the same thing again next week. And in fact, that's going to be our pattern for the rest of the month of May and into June. So we'll be gathering every Sunday in the parking lot, uh, both at 9 o'clock and at 11 o'clock. It's a come-in-your-car-and-stay-as-you-are kind of service. As you pull in, there'll be some instructions, but basically you pull in, you turn your radio to 88.1, you find a parking space and you worship with us over the radio and uh, we had a great time doing that back on Easter and we look forward to sharing that together again in the coming weeks now if you can't be here uh, in person with us for that please know that worship will be available online we'll be live streaming those services so you can join us live at nine o'clock or or anytime thereafter uh, wherever it is you're watching us right now whatever channel whatever media outlook you're using Uh, It will be right there for you to find us. If you can't be with us in person, we hope you can be with us uh, virtually. But we look forward to worshiping with you next week. And now as we go forth from this place, my prayer is that the, the risen Christ will speak to you and that even more so you will hear his voice. And as you respond, may the love of God the Father and the grace of Jesus Christ his Son and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you today and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.